Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12.2 This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. The most striking thing about reading Jane Austen's work some two centuries after she first set words to paper is the happy surprise of recognition. I know these people. I am acquainted with these characters. I have witnessed these charades. I myself have lived through these conundrums. This is all too familiar territory. I am accustomed to reading prose and poetry from the early 19th century. Thomas Chalmers, the great Scottish pastor, educator, and reformer, is a particular favorite of mine. Sir Walter Scott is a marvelous storyteller who never fails to entertain, inform, and inspire me, and George Eliot is an astonishingly gifted painter of scenes and a portrayer of pathos. But I will be the first to admit that theirs is often an alien world told in an almost alien vernacular, but not so with Austen. I am immediately at home with her. Her graceful, economical, narrative style was genuinely unique in her time. It was, to be sure, an era in literature given to flowery wordiness and emotional excess. Readers of the day could basically take their choice among collections of sermons to improve their minds, tales of sin and punishment to improve their morals, and horror stories to stimulate their circulation. But Austin's stories are told in a readable prose with nary a superfluous word. They frequently break into dialogue so lively and so revealing of characters that entire scenes have been lifted bodily from the novel and reproduced in dramatized versions for stage and screen. Indeed, Austen's style is so deceptively lucid that we can hardly believe that she rarely submitted her writing to much editing or revision, much less that it is the product of a provincial spinster living under the reign of King George III. Jane Austen was born in Steventon, Hampshire, England, the year before the American colonies declared their independence. Her adolescence was passed during the terror of the French Revolution, and all through her adulthood, her nation was suffering under the ardors and attritions of the Napoleonic Wars. Yet she hardly seemed to notice such distresses, or at least she was always adept and was always finding ways to avoid the appearance of noticing them. She was the seventh of eight children. Her family was close, affectionate, and lively, a trait immediately recognizable to the readers of her novels. The Austens frequently staged amateur theatricals, and they were devoted readers. They also provided a delighted audience for Jane's youthful comic pieces 
and later for her novels. Austin had almost no formal education, but she read extensively and critically. At the age of 13, she was already writing amusing and instructive parodies and variations on 18th century literature, from sentimental novels to serious histories. There is abundant evidence from her correspondence that she was well-informed regarding the great controversies of her time, including the political tumults caused by the Jacobins, the Whigs, the Radicals, and the Reformers. That is striking, given the fact that her novels steadfastly avoid dealing directly with such issues. By the time she was 23 years old, Austen had written three novels, Eleanor and Marianne, First Impressions, and Susan, which were early versions of, respectively, Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, and Northanger Abbey. A fragment, Lady Susan, which most likely also belongs to this early period, was not published until 1871. Apparently, she began writing novels simply to entertain herself and her family with no idea of having her stories published. In her time, novels were not considered a respectable form of literature. Rather, the way pulp romances, tales of horror and mayhem, and science fiction space operas are denigrated today. Ministers preached against them, and social critics often thundered against the habit of reading novels. Meanwhile, hundreds of novels were being published, most of them trashy romances or wildly exaggerated adventure yarns, and people went right on reading them. Most of these novels, including some of the better ones, were written by women. Writing was one of the few possible occupations for an intelligent, educated woman. Women could write at home while fulfilling their traditional role of running the household and raising children. They could stay out of the public eye, hiding behind pseudonyms. When Austen's books were finally published, thanks to the persistence of her brother Henry, the title page simply read, By a Lady. The novels clearly lampoon some of the reigning foibles of Austen's day, but it is around the Christian issues of marriage and family that she weaves her lively sub-themes of social criticism, making fun of snobbery, hypocrisy, and the spiteful gossip of respectable housewives and the prying impertinence of ladies of title. Two of the most common themes in each of Austen's books are the loss of illusions usually leading the characters to greater discernment and maturity and the clash between traditional moralism and biblical morality, usually leading the characters to repentance and contrition. Perhaps that is why her characters are so apt to come alive in the minds of readers. These are not stories of artifice, ideology, and reformist zeal. Instead, they are stories of life drawn from life, celebrating all the messy intricacies of life. In other words, Jane Austen has given us brilliant literary and cultural caveats. 
She has done the work of social criticism without indulging in any of the conventions or ploys of social criticism. In the same way that she parodied the pulp Gothic romances of her day, she parodied uh, parodied the officious ideological social criticism of her day, taking aim at the self-important experts, the priests of the secular enlightenment. She took her stand for ordinary things and ordinary people and ordinary concerns. As Sir Walter Scott observed, I have read again, and for the third time at least, Miss Austen's very finely written novel, Pride and Prejudice. That young lady had a talent for describing the involvements, the feelings, and the characters of ordinary life, which is to me the most wonderful I ever met with. Her exquisite touch renders ordinary, commonplace things and characters interesting from the truth of the description and the sentiment. Jane Austen was indeed an exemplar of both resistance and reformation. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and resources, go to georgegrant.net or adoringgod.org. Dot org.